When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the bluest room in town Yeah, they're actually funny And the guests are sound Through the ups and the downs Yeah, they'll be there waiting for the next time round You can find out what it means Everton will break your heart But they're still your team It's far from doom and gloom So tune in now And get involved with the blues It is Blue Monday here on the Blue Room. On Blue Monday. Is today Blue Monday officially, Dave. Everyone's back to work. First full week of January. I think that's that's the, the correct technical term, isn't it? Well that that's the reason why I initially tried to call it um, Monday Blues. Because everyone's going back to work. Haven't we playing well, I think. Um certainly what about six weeks ago. So no, we keep the name it's got today, obviously. Hopefully we uh cheer a load of people up given the well, let's hope we're getting into some decent form when we get back to Aston Villa coming up and then the replay against Crystal Palace. But yeah, um, it's absolutely freezing as well. It is so, so cold. I feel love this type of weather. Like, compared I, to the rain and wind and drizzle we've had over Christmas and stuff, just like nice crisp winter's day, sun's out, but it's freezing. Big fan. Oh man, you you've got your hat on and definitely out running sort of this sort of weather, aren't you? That's that's right up your forte, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I only took it off to be professional on on this uh, video. But <laughs> I've just seen me hair, and now it's it's yeah. I should have put it back. I should have left it on. But uh, as we always say, um, if you watch us on YouTube, uh, do hit like, do subscribe, do comment. Any of the topics we're talking about, if you're listening to us on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever, you get your podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. It does all help uh, as we move into the, the new year. Uh, Dave, just quickly before we talk about Everton, um, over the weekend, um, did you watch much of the FA Cup? I, I watched Sunderland-Newcastle and loved it. Just thought it was great atmosphere, mad build-up, potential for all kinds of embarrassing antics, which which both sets of fans to live it on, I think. And there was no VAR, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was nice to see that. I've seen, I've seen quite a few games, yeah. Um Liverpool against Arsenal was an absolute, absolute stunner last night. I thought it, I know we finished two 0 to them, but the amount of chances Arsenal missed it was end to end. Um, it was a cracking FA Cup game. That going back to what you said there about um, Sunderland Newcastle, I made it. It was the assistant manager to anyhow. I don't know if you've seen it at the end, but they decided to go and get a photo outside the one of the goals. The one that was where all of their fans were, and I just thought it was like it was going a little bit too far when he was doing that. But if you look at the video, it's him sort of walking around trying to gather all the players together. Yeah, do, do you know like when you've I don't know when you've qualified for something or when you've got your degree or something like that, you're trying to get your whole family and your partner together and all that. It was exactly like that. Once everyone smiling, all cheese and stuff like that. And I just thought, yeah, mate, you just you just seem like a bit more of a dickhead to be honest with you. Yeah, he was um, like a he was like a photographer. He was like a photographer yeah. at a wedding trying to get the group shot, wasn't he? 
That's exactly it. Like, no, no one wants to do it. Like everyone's having a nice time, just like chatting away. And then the photographer, photographer comes along. And it's like, come on, let's all get together for this group shot. And you're like, oh god, yeah, really? Yeah, do we have to? <laughs> I think he's got to be one of the most cheesy. It's just a man, no, cheesy. Um, anybody on managerial staff at a football club, he's got to be the cheesiest fella I've ever seen, and somebody who sits in a sunbed when he goes home. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. I I found Arsenal so excruciating to watch yesterday. It's just like yeah. just, just it's that classic trope of just them trying to pass it into the net, isn't it? Like just have a shot, lads. And I mean, Kai Havertz just confuses me. <laughs> yeah, so, he's why, like he, he doesn't really doesn't really do anything to wind me up. But I watch him, and he's like I think he just wind me up. And really yeah. Uh, Matt, I've got I've got an outstanding um, stat on this. Mm. So Arsenal have lost the last three games. They've only scored one goal. They've had 61 shots on goal and then he scored once. And that was in the 2-1 defeat at Fulham. Now that wow. you've got a you've got a problem in itself there that you, you just you're just not able to finish. But I think like you said there, it just seems every player that gets in close to goal just wants to take an extra touch. Yeah. I mean, I think um it was a guard at the, at the bar, and that's the only time I've seen somebody just literally take one touch and, and just have a blast at goal. The others, like you said, have it. I, I just, he's infuriating. If you were sat there watching that, you'd be absolutely pulling what hair you had left out your head because he's just, he's a ridiculously difficult player to to, to like in that sort of regard. Arsenal played well with the exception of that. Mm-hmm. Arsenal dominated the game with the exception of, of that. And then Liverpool scored what in the 80th minute, just just robbed the victory. And, and if you're, that's got to be the worst way to lose a game. When you miss chances like that, I mean, we, we've done that sort of thing in the past, of course, oh, and we're not a prolific side, are we? But watching that, yeah, I mean, if it, it, it's it's a big competition for Arsenal, I don't think they're going to go and win the. I don't think they're going to win the league. Um, I, I don't think they're going to win the Champions League. Uh, Liverpool themselves are probably great favourites right now to go and win the league. I, I wasn't. I was surprised they played like a, a team that. Um, that's straightforward and, and with all the best players, to be fair. Because at this stage of the competition, I think we got into a straight where you don't play your best players in the early rounds of the FA Cup. Um, much the same as particularly when you get a lower club that you play against. I mean, we've had a few in the past, haven't we, where you haven't played your full first 11. Um, we did show a Palace as well, which I was a little bit surprised about. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was good to see the FA Cup look a little bit more like its traditional self. It felt like there's loads more teams playing the strongest 11s than like recent years. Like, I, I yeah. don't know if that's just because like the con- the congestion has been so bad that so many players have got injuries and suspensions. Obviously, we've got AFCON this year as well and, and the Asian Cup, haven't we, which have, have depleted a lot of squad. But you now I watched a bit of City and you know they, they had a couple in there, but by and large, like apart from Rodri, it was you know close to a, a full strength side, really. And um, obviously, Newcastle had to go for it. We us and Palace both played strong sides, you know, yeah. again, many just not being able to rotate. So, I mean, and that, even Chelsea, I watched a bit of that game at the weekend as well. They, yeah. they were really strong against Preston. So, um, yeah, as much as uh, as much as much we try and downplay it, it feels like there's a lot of pressure on a lot of managers at the moment and they, they dare not lose a, a football match. But on, on to Everton, Dave, um, sort of putting last week behind us a little bit and looking ahead, um, I want to speak about something today that I thought has kind of gone under the radar a bit in the aftermath of all the DCL red card bar fallouts, and that's the stuff around McNeil. And um, we haven't found out yet from the club how long he's, he's going to be out for, but 
listen, it looked awful at the time, didn't it? Going off with a leg brace. I think yeah. Dice said it was his ankle afterwards, so it was really swollen. So one of those ones they have to wait to just for the swelling to subside before he can do anything about it. Hopefully it's just a, a really bad ankle roll and, and he's sound and he's back again in a few weeks. But I don't know, like in my head, I'm sort of making me peace with if someone said he's gonna be out for six weeks, I'd sort of probably take that now. Um yeah. if you get what I mean. What do Everton do without him in, in regards to, to the eleven? Um, because Dan Junior obviously came in and played on Thursday and did okay for half an hour, didn't he? And then faded off the game massively. Um, but I think it's probably fair to say that Daesh has got his doubts about him given the way in which he's used them so yeah. far this season. Um what what do you think Everton look like going forward without McNeil? Is it a case of McNeil out Dan Juma in, or do you think we'll see a few different ways that he's trying to combat that in terms of personnel and maybe change of shapes as well. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question. Uh, with, with with McNeil, um he was the the, the the sad thing about it, he was really, really quiet against Palace as well. And I think as much as our man Pete McFarlane absolutely adores this fella with the songs on him and all that sort of thing. Um I, I wouldn't go as far as saying I don't particularly value him. I think he's an important player for us. I think sometimes he's really, really frustrating. But then, that, I mean, that that's the common theme about most of our players, isn't it? When you can see them perform really, really well, and then the next game you, you, you'll you barely see them in the match and they'll just not be there. Um, having him having him out is lucky in the sense that we've got a really consistent left-back who stands in behind him. The, the, the thing that makes me a little bit more concerned about that is he he tends to form a partnership with McNeil on that left-hand side. McNeil will always chase back with him as well. That side of the pitch, I think it, it's gone it's gone by the wayside how important it is for us and how comfortable it's been for us. And like for instance, I can't remember the last time, and hope this is not a kiss of death, the last time we conceded a goal via that side of the pitch. And uh, when somebody's crossed it in, um Michalenko's been absolutely magnificent this season, probably my my player of the season so far. Um it's not him I'm concerned about. It's whoever's in front of him that needs to track back. Now, you've mentioned Dan Juma there. I, I think there's maybe even a case for Dobbin as well that, that can come in and you've got somebody, I think, who's learning to find, to, to find his, his trade in, in uh, that sort of side of the pitch. I think he's quite a versatile player. Um, I think I think Daesh, I might be a surprise if he was uh, put in there rather than just being on the bench, but... I think you're looking at somebody who is desperate to show what he can do. He's going to have and anything he's told to do, he's going to do it as much as he possibly can. So I, I don't think he'd be sort of thrown out of hand by Dice. But yeah, I think that the natural the natural person to throw in there is um, is Dan Juma. And he's, again, another body who's the last couple of games we've seen, and particularly that one at Spurs, he's somebody who wrecks your head as well, isn't he really? <laughs> He's the type of player again that you can just you can just see him being outstanding. He'll do something ridiculously good. Scored a scored a wonder goal at some point, and then other times you'll think, "How's this lad getting a start for us?" I think there's a real issue there. I think it's he's one of like several who Dice has struggled to properly get the best out of, and doesn't fully trust. A little bit similar to Patterson at right back, he does just doesn't seem to fully trust these type of lads. Here. I'm not too sure what the effect has of that. Um, in when they come on, the the trust in them, you know. Um, other thing as well, I might think of as well is, is Harrison moving over to that side could help out. He's another bit of a workhorse, isn't he? He could, he could mm. do that sort of thing. So 
there, there are options, but it, it is a big blow. And like you say there, I mean, it, it looked like his leg was going to be out for, well, at least until the end of the season. So a boost that it's any water, maybe a few weeks that he's out for. But it's definitely the main thing that needs needs addressing right now. Yeah, it's. I think it's going to be dead interesting what he does because. I think if Ashley Young was fit, I could I could just see him going and playing there. To be honest, yeah. like yeah, in front of Mikalenko, because you know he obviously likes Young. Coleman's back available now, isn't he? Um, and played pretty well, didn't he, as well at the um on Thursday night. I love that clip yeah. of him watching the the VAR screen. Yeah. He's going nowhere, <laughs> storming off. It's just yeah. absolutely classic Seamus. Um, but Matt, as, um, just just Matt, with, with you saying that. When I've seen that since, I'm um, I'm willing to retract some of what I said last week in post match. <laughs> yeah, he was um, oh, the the yeah, it's just it's just a great clip of 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 them all watching it. Absolutely <laughs> love that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think I think with Dan Zuma, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because like Dice has got these clear non negotiables, hasn't he? Which is about working hard and and that kind of stuff, and that's why that's why McNeil's in there clearly. Um. But I, I, I don't know. I do sort of look at that side of the pitch, like especially with Mikalenko there, who, as you said, has been so good and is so solid defensively. Um, and if it feels like if you're going to get away with it in any part of the pitch, like maybe it's, it's that side. Like you look at Mikalenko and you think he's not necessarily like a, a Patterson because of his Patterson's age or a Coleman because of his maybe lack of mobility now. Or the same goes with Young when he plays right back where. You look at the right-hand side and you think they probably need a bit of protection in regards to where they play because they've got flaws in the game. It feels like with Mikalenko, you could you could kind of say to him, you, you don't want this situation, obviously, but if you're in a one-on-one -on -one situation or you've got a jockey, a couple of players, and, and you know the, the left-back, sorry, the left midfielder's not getting back quite as quick, then he's kind of defensively capable and athletic enough to deal with it. And then yeah. that might give you a bit more going forward the other way, if that makes sense. Because Dan Juma, I think he, he's shown that you know, he's really frustrated at times as well, but he definitely has something different compared to our, our other wide players. Like He's more of a he's more of a centre-forward, isn't he, that plays that wide, as opposed to a, a left midfielder who plays as a left winger, if that makes sense. Like, McNeil is very much a left winger, isn't he? Like, Harrison yeah. is very much a, a right winger or, or a left winger. Like, Dan Juma's a, a forward, isn't he? And I think we've we've seen bits of that in his Everton career so far. You think of his, his goal he scored at Doncaster. You think of the, the goal he scored at Sheffield United. Just getting in at the back post and just being alert and, and, and taking the chance. Um, so I just wondered if... and this Probably not, because Dyche is very obviously set. It's non-negotiables non will stay non-negotiables. But I just look at that part of the pitch. I think if there's an area where you can maybe get away with in inverted commas, a luxury player to give you a bit more going forward and give you something a little bit more of a spark than, than maybe it's that position in front of Mikalenko. I'm a little bit the opposite of that with him because I think it's been essential for Mikalenko to work with somebody on the left-hand side. I don't see Dan Zuma coming into our half of the pitch. I couldn't I couldn't see him doing that whatsoever. What you, meant, what you mentioned there is um, the positive side of him is he can drift across the whole front line if needed. I think that we're going to get the best out of him is if he's sort of given a license to do that, to, to, to be a little bit more free uh, in what he can do and not just stick to where Dice has told him to. Um, with with Mikhailenko, I think he's got such discipline in what you need him to do. He's not going to be out there overlapping Dan Zuma or playing one twos with him. Um, I think that what you've mentioned there sort of would, would that get... would that kind of make it work though, and like a you know like a perverse sort of, like because. It's not going to be 
Baines and PNR, is it ever? Like th- those two link link together so well. Yeah. But like I, I don't think you necessarily because of the left back and left midfield, I don't necessarily think they need to pass the ball to each other loads or yeah. link together loads. Like I think if if Dan Juma's gonna stay forward more and give us more of a, an attacking outlet, then in turn you can say to Mikolenko, well, you don't push forward as much, you just be a bit more cautious when he runs forward. And then if the ball does get turned over, then we're covered in that area of the pitch, if that makes sense. But you're getting more going the other way. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you, you, you're you paying a small price for what you want Michalenko to do. Um, look, we've seen him do some fantastic things. We've seen him score. We've seen him put crosses in. He seems to really move that side of the pitch where he can burst forward. I think he's good enough. Um, and I think he's disciplined enough to be told, right, just just hold back a little bit more. Um, you know, it, it's not fully required when you've got a player who... We really got the, the whole reason we got Dan Juma was for, to create assists or score goals. He doesn't necessarily need Michalenko to do that. Um, should have more efficient players in and around him, um, in the, in the forward line. So therefore, like you say, there, I think it it'll help us a lot more. You know, maybe you're looking at it thinking, well, it takes away an opportunity for us to to score more goals. But then, you know, it's more important defensively. That we are conceding when you've got the difficulty of having somebody who, like you say, uh, Baines and uh, Pienaar. It's never, ever, ever going to be like that. I mean, they're, they're two legends when we associate partnerships in the side. But um, with with uh, McNeil out, who is another one who's a bit of a workhorse, then you're having to tell Michalenko to do probably an original job. You'll get told to do as a left back when when he's learning his trade. He's not going to be. Like throwing it running forward as often as possible. I don't believe left backs are brought up that way. I think it's more of a natural trade if they want to start running on to whoever's playing left in front of them. Um, I think he's more than capable of being a little bit more disciplined and told to just just hold back a little bit more. You don't have to try and play one twos. You don't have to run beyond whoever's on the left hand side and get to the byline. Um, that that to me, I'm a little bit more confident about than certainly more than the Dan Juma getting back anyway. Yeah, and I suppose the other option, you know, the manager said he doesn't like this system, and he, he even though he's played it a few times this season, it didn't work at Wolves at all, did it? Uh, worked at Villa in the cup, worked at Burnley in the league, but but a back three, and again, just just thinking about options and, and how we might go with it, and I'm sure people listening to that, me saying nothing straight away, no, Michael Keane do not want it, um, but but do you think do you think maybe, and I, I don't know if this they should go this way because. I think he likes he likes his centre backs to be centre backs very much. But do you think Coleman being fit again could give him the option of playing James as that kind of third centre back on the right hand side? Like he, he did really well for a bit, didn't he, under under Lampard? And then you can get Patterson as, as your right wing back who gives you more on that side. So all of a sudden you've got Tarkovsky and Bramthwaite still in the back three. You've got Coleman as sort of being that half full back, half centre back, which I think you always need in that in that system for it to work. And then you've got two you know, full-backs in Mikolenko and Pass, who are athletic and can actually get forward and give us something on, on that side. And then, obviously, you lose a player from the, the, the midfield positions then, the attacking positions then, but that's that's McNeil, isn't it? He's not, not in the team. Um, so I just wondered if Coleman... Coleman just kind of opens up a few options, doesn't he, in terms of young mate maybe playing left wing, going back to a back three, getting passing as a right wing back. Um, and... I suppose even at this point, you you want Seamus in the team, don't you? Even after even after all this time and, and how old he is, because I think we've seen when he has played briefly this season, the, the Everton have been much better. 
Yeah, that's right. I, said, I think it's more you set up a line that you're basically saying to your opponents, you're not going to pass, you're not going to get past us or beyond us. Probably play a little deeper. I think that's you know really common what Dice is like, really. And wants to stay as solid as he possibly can with, with a back four slash back five. Interesting what you say there about Patterson there as, as a right wing back as well. The one thing you don't want, and it's it's quite sad to say this, given Shaman's in the, in the sort of the latter years of his career. Let, let, let's be honest. What is he now? 36, 35, yeah. 30, 35, 36. You've you've got somebody you don't want in his entire career. I don't know. This is harsh for me, but I think many people over this uh, have also said it. But you don't want him crossing the ball. <laughs> you, don't, no. you don't. You don't want him getting to the byline and crossing the ball. What, what obviously what we've seen from I think that goal he scored against Leeds last season. They they one offs that type of thing. I mean, one weakness he's had is crossing the ball. If we're honest, so again, somebody who can be far more disciplined to to sort of hold it and stay back. When I I love him bombing forward. I love it when he cuts inside. He's obviously a lot better. Throwing a ball across the six yard box or the eighteen yards, rather than trying to you know pin pin pick somebody using the box that he's going to throw a header at. Um, I'd I'd like to see Patterson that side. I think it's ironic, really, man, with with the issues we've got on both sides of the pitch. It sounds like really balanced what you've said there. You know, if when McNeil's fifth, then you've got if you went like Coleman Patterson that side. I think you're looking at a solid partnership. Patterson loves getting forward as well. Thinking a lot better crosser of the ball, he loves cutting inside too. Um, that that could be really promising. Um, that could be something that I think Dice might well look at in what we do, particularly against Aston Villa coming to Goodison as well. That yeah. that game's going to be that game's huge for us against Villa. Um, you know, you, you think that I was I wasn't happy that we drew in the FA Cup and we've got another extra game coming, given how difficult our run is. But I suppose there's a little chance in that as well, where you can experiment with a, th- a few different positions and whatnot. Yeah, and I just I think like going back to Coleman as well. Like when you talk about him now, when he has a good game, we're not talking about him going forward, are we? Or putting crosses in, like you said, or taking players on, like he used to do, God, yeah. ten years ago. Now, like it, it's all about his defensive play now, isn't it? And like you know, you think back to, to games last season where he did really well, like it was against players like. Zahar and, and Martinelli, and you go, wow, he, he, he handled that winger really well. I just, I just think like that that position is like the right, the right center. Maybe it's something the manager will will look at um, as as we go forward, but maybe not. Um, it's probably the other thing we've got to consider as well, Dave. Obviously, we're waiting on the result of the appeal for for Dom um, after his, his red card. Um, big chance for better potentially coming up as well. Um, gotta say, not been totally convinced by him yet. Still waiting. You know, I think people love him because of his endeavor and his work rate, and I can get on board with that. Um, but he's not got much finesse to his game at all, has he? And um, I think it's one of them where, as much as there's a lot of people at the moment giving Dom criticism for the way he's playing and he's not scoring goals, and you know, I kind of get that. There's, there's a lot of calls for Beto to come into the side. I, I just kind of thought against City when it was better up front and not Calvert Lewin, you kind of you're kind of pining for for even a, a non-goal scoring Dominic Carvalho. But listen, he, he might have a chance in, in the coming weeks, might need to, to show what he can do. Um, he's not had a real, real run of games has he, since the start of the season either. So, um, massive chance for him, potentially. I'll tell you what, I often think about the, um, the the chat and the interview we did with the guys from uh, Italy, the journalists from Italy. Every word they said to us was absolutely spot on about him, really, wasn't it? You know, you'll get all of his endeavour. 
he'll, he'll give absolutely everything when he gets on the pitch, but that's something that you don't necessarily need when you're looking for a Premier League striker. He's fast, he can't control the ball too well. Um, he, he, he's the type of player that will score a really scrappy goal. I think that's the best you're going to see from him. Um, I, I really like him. Do you, do you know what? Um, something that I feel is, and you've just done it there, and I do it myself, whenever you mention his name, there's sort of a smile to your face. There's a, I wouldn't say laughing at the guy, but there's a, <laughs> there's a thing about him when he's up there and he's he's not a traditional player, let alone as a striker. You know, if you were watching him in, I don't know, when he was, when he was a kid, you'd be thinking, yeah, this is a big fella up front. He's one to try and cross the ball for to, to score goals with with his head more than anything else. Um he's he's done he's done brilliantly to get to where he is, the level at which he's at. But I, I do think he's he's gonna be essential this season and certainly in the next few games if um Dom's uh, sending off isn't isn't retracted. Um I, I think as well I I don't like to stereotype Dice, but go back to when he was at Burnley. He play him in every single game along with Ashley Barnes and, and the others who he's had up front. That's what he wants. I think he'll I think he has been as well um reluctant to do that sort of style of football since he's been at us. Um often it works. You know, if you've got a back five like you said there, if you've got um wing backs or full backs who you want to hold back a little bit, he's probably much more of an ideal player that you're looking to play it to. Now the the age old problem for that is who you put up there with him. That's where you're massively missing the core. I think you've got somebody as a 10 there if you're knocking it up to him to try and control it and lay it off. I don't think we're much suited to that style of play. Um, unless the core is in there, he does a fantastic job doing that. Um, I think me and you have mentioned like how inconsistent he can be at times. That That's going to be difficult to, to manufacture. Oh, we're going to have a lot of chances in this game and Bethel's going to be able to score goals quite regularly. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but what else have we got? I mean, you mentioned Dan Juma there. I, I don't think the way in which we play, you could put him up front comfortably. Um, you know, people even spoke about earlier this season when they were saying Calvert Lewin and Beto was a front two. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. even I wouldn't even consider that. What what's right? Are you laughing at that? Mate? The <laughs> brothers of destruction, Kane and the Undertaker. <laughs> the Undertaker and Kane. <laughs> yeah, but you know. That that's I don't know if he's as diverse to look at that dice and thinking Dan Dan Jimmy you put up there. He's probably more interesting if you wanted to go for something like, you know, a, a slight one two or something like that. Um but he's he's put on as more as a uh, you know, somebody's like you wanna you want him to bash through people, you want him to create different chances, you want him to be a little bit of a bully. Um you should have got that penalty against Crystal Palace. That that's the type of player he is, I think. Um, who can physically bounce himself about, but also, I, I mentioned this when we first got him in the first couple of games we saw him, but he reminds me a lot of Paolo Wancho back in the day. I hope we've got an old, old enough listeners about this, but yeah. you'd see somebody who's identical to him, couldn't control the ball, anything like that, but you'd see him pick the ball up about 30 yards from goal, rip past about five or six players, and score an absolute wonder goal. Yeah. I'm looking at Berto thinking, I think that's you, mate. I think at one point he's going to score an, a, a crucial goal for us. He has that type of feeling from uh, from what we've seen from him. Um, but at least, I mean, the, the, you know, the worst you're going to get is him trying. Like, I, it's very rare that I see a player who throw themselves in. I know it's cliche that 
you know, a player always gives 100%. You know, you've seen this lad and how much he loves Everton as well. Yeah. That type of thing, if he's, a, if he's able to do something a little bit more than what we've seen, then you've got you've got an asset who we desperately need when you've just got one strike. And I mean, how often in recent years have we had more than one striker to rely upon? Now I'm not going as far as saying he's going. We're going to rely upon him, but you think about the back the days of like Yakubu, Sahar. You'd never see a front two at Everton for a very. I can't even think back to when we've played the four four two. That's not going to happen at Everton. So that essentially means you one man that goes out. You've got to find a solution. I think he's the next best to try. Yeah, he's he's very easy to root for, isn't he? Like, I think I think that's why fans really love him still at the moment. And but like, yeah, Lacey, did you mention Strachulacy? No, we think he's better no, than so, him, isn't he? Like, I know, I know, but that 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 style, yeah. that sort of feeling. That I remember he scored. Um, he scored a goal when we beat Chelsea at home two 0 when he was with us, and he scuffed <laughs> it over Czech, didn't he? Yeah, that's it. Sometimes you looked at him and thought, "How's he ended up here?" In the opposite way that you always used to say your 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 infamous uh, <laughs> line about there's a reason why players end up at Everton. We've said that about really good ones that we think have come to us with all. I don't know. He ended up with us. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, but like, I think better is like, like this is all like great. I like I, I think everyone rightly loves him, but it's one of them where it's like, should we be talking this way about a twenty six million yeah. pound striker as well? Like you know, it's. I don't know. It's, it's obviously still early days. He's not played loads, but it's like we spent, you know, considering our financial situation. And listen, I know that the payments staggered and all that, but we're going to end up paying a pretty large amount of money for, for this lad further down the line. Um, but I think I've, I also think the the other thing is like it's it's quite cruel on on Carvalho in a sense that I think he's missed the Corey so much when since since yeah. the Corey's been yeah. out, and now. The core is going to be back in the team potentially. Like, should be in the team on Sunday, and, and Carvalho is going to be missing for three games. So the times out the team just not you know overlapped yeah. at all. So um, that that should be really interesting as well. But I mean, it's going to be great to have him back, isn't it? The core, right? You know, I think it's it's getting close to a year today. Dave, remember he came on in the um, the cup game against Man United under Lampard, and we, we hadn't seen him for months. And he came on and played really well. And it was a case of like, oh, forgot about this fella. You know, maybe maybe he could offer something. For us going forward, and, and yeah. since, since then, obviously Lampard got sacked, and he—it's one of those sliding doors moments, isn't it? We've gone to Fulham that that January. Um, who, who knows what predicaments we would have been in? Yeah, spot on. And you know, if, if you're talking about somebody who is all about endeavour and somebody who wants to really try when they get on the pitch, he's he, he epitomises that, doesn't he? When he comes on, um, I think at times as well, he, I, I've certainly been guilty, and a lot of others have been guilty. Of thinking, you know, he's somebody else we need to sell for money. Basically, gonna sign a new contract there, and look, I won't go as far as saying he looks like a completely different player, but he seems to be played in a position that he's really comfortable with, um, and and looks a real threat when he has the ball. He's well, we've relied upon him heavily, haven't we, in the last couple of years as well. He's got that goal against Bournemouth, of course, last day of the season last year to keep us up. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a crucial player to us, Matt. He's Probably up there in the top two or three um, that you you essentially need if you think Everton are going to be successful. It's you know it's no co- uh, coincidence when you look at the four games he run on the spin. He was in there. Um, he I don't know. Again, he's another one that doesn't look comfortable when he's on the ball. But it, and, and I don't want to do him a disservice like that. But it's not really traditional the way he plays. Um, and I think that helps him. I think that he, he he's a player. He loves to run. He loves to run in behind. 
he's he's got so much of a, a versatile game that he he does affect opposition. He does. They they can't obviously look at him if you're if you're an opposition manager. You're not looking at him and thinking, right? Someone stick there with him because he'll move all over the place. He's allowed. He's allowed freedom in that area there in the final third. So getting him back without Dom, obviously it's um it's vice versa, isn't it? Really, but you you've got somebody who'll who'll score goals as long as you can get the ball to him in that position, and that's going to be key. You look at the midfield there. You look at players getting the ball into him. Um, he can hold it up. That's where I think there might be a difficulty when you've got Beto in there because he's not going to do what Dom does, let's face it. Um, but you're looking at the likes of Harrison cutting inside, finding him, finding him, like I say, 20 yards out, looking for a one-two, looking for someone to cross it in for him. That versatility is exactly what you need in front of goal. It's getting the ball to him that's going to be the issue. Yeah, um, strap in. It's going to be a busy few weeks, isn't it? Um, We've got loads coming up this week. Looking ahead to get that game against Aston Villa. Subs weekly. We'll have weekly. We'll have weekend preview. I think I'm doing my old new borrowed blue this week as well. Uh, Laura's was out last week. That was a, a great Brilliant. lesson. Um, big yeah. Seamus Coleman loving. I don't think I'm giving anything away there by saying that either. Um, no, I think I think with Paddy's one as well, Leighton Baines. Um, yeah. let, let, let's face it, we, no, I'm not, not going to try to be like... I'm still, I'm still thinking about a few of mine. I'm not going to lie. So Yeah. Well, but, the, the, the key is like you know, it's it's hard to avoid the, the obvious ones who've been legendary for us. But yeah. um, I think there's plenty of others that you can throw in there as well. So mm-hmm. it's a really good listen as well, the way Les conducts it and, yeah. and things like that. I'd, I'd implore anybody to give it a listen. I'll tell you what, Laura made uh, you and Paddy look like dickheads by saying that a granddad was a favourite Evertonian, and you were like John Paris, and Paddy was Jody Comer. Yeah, Laura gave a really heartfelt, lovely answer, and you two were just like, oh, yeah. Paddy was like, oh, yeah, I just love Jodie Comer's acting, and you were like, oh, John Paris, great sneak. Les, Les Roberts needs to sell it better then, because the way in which he said it, it was like, yeah, you've got to come up with someone famous, like a celebrity. And listen, I, I feel like quite fair to say John Paris. You told many people these days, who's John Paris? I don't reckon more. I reckon maybe five or six people out of ten particularly younger, would say, yeah. oh, yeah, I know he's a snooker player who's won the World Championship in the early 90s. So I'm, I'm defending myself with John Paddy's in there. Jody Comer is like a list celebrity, so I'm not having that for Paddy. There we go. Um, I'll have to have a think of mine <laughs> after that then. Um, I'll probably go down the celeb route, I reckon, as well. But uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, cheers for listening. Uh, go watch it on YouTube, like I said. Like, subscribe, comment. Uh, our rabbits are going to cope without McNeil. What are they going to do without Dominic Carvert-Lewin? Now let us know your thoughts on that. Uh, and if you're listening on the podcast, give us a rating, give us a review. All these things help in the new year. But we'll be back later in the week. Full steam ahead to Aston Villa. Up the toppies, we'll speak to you soon. Network.